So you worked with Hunter Biden in a bunch of different businesses. Um, what were the skill, the specific skills that he brought to clients? Well, at the end of the day, he, you know, he had a career in Washington, yeah. uh, graduated Yale Law School and had a very big network in, in D.C. and brought that know-how and understanding of D.C. and ultimately the Biden brand. Tucker Carlson is the man on his show, Tucker on Twitter. He has, as a guest, the most newsworthy person right now, and that's Devin Archer, former best buddy of Hunter Biden and huge whistleblower and exposer of the Biden crime family. Let's get into analyzing part one of this interview. Gotta give us what we want. Uh, Gotta give us what we need. Hey, our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We, we got, got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power. The know-how. So as far as I could tell, he wasn't doing legal work. I Correct. Mean, he wasn't in the counsel's office at Burisma, right? No, no. So the the network and the Biden brand sounds like the the kind of key component of Absolutely, what yeah. he was bringing. Yep. Um, do you think that he would have been in those businesses, not having a business background without his father being in a government position? It's hard to speculate in, in those regards. I mean, yeah. I think when we initially met and, uh, and he talked about his advisory business, his business that needed to transition from lobbying to advisory and the interest in private equity, it seemed... Uh, you know, it seems like a new and interesting network for us to expand our business. Um, whether he could have, you know, been in that position, it's it's hard for me to speculate. Right. But obviously, the brand of Biden, you know, adds a lot of power when your dad's the vice president. When your dad is the vice president. We're not talking about Senator Joe here, folks. Joe Biden had been in the Senate for over three decades, four decades, I believe. I don't know if he actually did the 40 years. I think... Part of those 40 years include his time as vice president. These schemes and things, which were going on with his brother when he was senator, with Hunter really happened on the latter part of his dad's being the vice president. Now, let's not confuse things. One of the reasons why Joe Biden is protected is because this goes back to Obama. You think all these things were happening and Obama had no idea they were happening? No. Now, from my understanding and study of Obama for the last 12, 13 years, plus, I guess, since 2008, 15 years, Obama's not really money-motivated as much as the Bidens and the Clintons are. You may disagree with me on that. Put your thoughts down below. Now, not to say that they haven't made any money or made any money moves like they've done with Netflix and what have you. But it was all about, with the Bidens, making money for the Biden crime family on the fact that Biden was the vice president and could affect policy. So the next part of the conversation, they talk about, you know, was Hunter Biden legal counsel? No, he was there in Burisma to help navigate them through, and then the other businesses that he did with Devin Archer, to help navigate them through regulation, which of course is access. Now, when they talk about the private equity business that they did, I really like the fact that Tucker Carlson has some real insight in what it takes to be 
a, a private equity group and what's really going on in Washington and what was really going on here. Let me play this for you and then I'll break it down for you. If you're new around here, I'll give you my CV in a second. But I've worked in investment banking and I've worked with private equity groups. For sure. And there was a time maybe 10 years ago when private equity, maybe like AI now, was just one of those terms people throw out. I'm in private equity. Right. But the mechanics, having done it, coming right. from a business background yourself, are kind of complex. Are Absolutely. They not? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a complex business. Um, takes years of training. But again, the initial idea around the business, they were going to provide you know, the government insight and an additional network to raise capital and then, you know, deal with regulatory issues that you might have at the corporate level. Man, I love Tucker Carlson. Private equity is something that people throw around like people throw around artificial intelligence today. And then you hear Devin Archer saying, yeah, it takes a lot of years of training. When it comes to private equity firms, there are, you're taking other people's money and investing it, right? In your, your, your private equity so it's private money that you're collecting and then you're using it to invest in, grow businesses, merge businesses, do leverage buyouts, do all kinds of money transactions. You don't just go into that from law and go at the very top. It does take a lot of training, if you will. Generally, people in the private equity firm have MBAs and degrees in finance. Now, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you my background not to impress you, you may not even find it impressive, but to impress upon you how I have worked in that space, okay? I have a degree in economics. I have a bachelor's of science, which at the university that I graduated from means that as opposed to bachelor of arts, I had the bachelor of science, which meant I had all the calculus and statistical coursework, the rigorous and quantitative math abilities to actually apply economic principles. It wasn't just theory. We, I could build models based on differential calculus and other mathematics for our clients. That's why I was at my junior year, I was recruited by Arthur Anderson to work in their economic consulting practice where we did that. We, we did the math. And guess what? Guys in that firm Many of them went into private equity groups. They went to work for private equity firms because Arthur Anderson at the time was a very prestigious launch pad into even more lucrative careers if you didn't stay in the consulting or the tax practices or the accounting practices. But I, I was not on the accounting side. Those guys had to go get MBAs. A law degree is not an MBA. And here we have Hunter Biden in that space. Now, when I left Arthur Anderson, my next job after that, I went to start a business in the internet space. It did really well and then it crashed because this is in 2000, 2001 during the, the dot-com era. So I had a very successful business, but it kind of crashed and burned. So I went back to work, but I went to back to work working for an investment banking firm. I, wor I worked for a boutique investment banking firm. Our clients were private equity groups, okay, who wanted to do mergers. And I'm talking... 50 10 to 50 million dollar companies is what was our bread and butter. We were very niche in the manufacturing space. And I worked with these private equity groups. I really don't know, except for maybe some of the lower level people that I worked with on a, on a daily basis and phone calls and negotiations. These guys were money men. They knew math. They knew money. 
they had MBAs, they had finance degrees and masters and different finance degrees because they had to crunch the numbers to make sure that these deals would work or would be attractive. And then to make sure that, the, that there was a possibility, no one goes into to make money, there is, to lose money, excuse me, there is some risk. I say all that to say all this. I'm, we're supposed to believe that Hunter Biden, a lawyer who got kicked out of the Navy for drug uh, stuff, probably got into Yale because he's a Biden in the first place, left cocaine in his car, is completely unhinged and has no discipline, has the wherewithal to be successful in private equity? No, it was Devin Archer who was the brains behind it and Biden was bringing, Hunter Biden was bringing the name and the access, the pay for play, the influence peddling that made this whole thing possible. I think there's, you know, you gotta be an expert in knowing the guy and he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yep. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yep. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. Oh yeah. Also, they were based out of DC. Something very interesting about being a private equity firm based out of Washington, DC. Well, no, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of, like, Washington's not a money town. Right. You know, people don't, aren't in business in Washington for the right. most part, and most people don't have business skills that I've noticed in 30 years of living there. Um, so really the business of Washington is, is selling access. That's what it looked like to me. Yes. Not just Hunter Biden, but like, yeah, no, that's I think that's, do. I mean, I think that's the, one of the like core misconceptions. I mean, it seems like when I, you know, understanding a regulatory environment means selling access at the end of the day. That, yeah. That's how I interpret it. And I think that's how most people on, you know, in Wall Street, whether they admit it or not, interpret it. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Tucker Carlson is a very, very savvy and intelligent man. DC is not a money town. These are these are not people. DC is not a place where people go to make money on business. DC revolves around the government and the government business. People make money, not and when I pay my business, I mean in the open markets, in the free market. People go to make money in D.C. off of crony capitalism, access, favoritism, nepotism, and connections. Lobbyists, etc. So there's business going on, don't get me wrong. But it's not open, free market business like you think of the Waltons or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos to a certain degree. Let's not forget, oh, I don't know, Tesla sure as hell wouldn't have been very successful without all of those electric car rebates and uh, solar panel rebates for the Tesla solar stuff, uh, SpaceX doing business with NASA and the government. Uh, Jeff Bezos's Amazon would not have been a they were in the red until they started doing business for the CIA and being the back end hosting for the CIA's data. A lot of people don't even know that. Amazon didn't make any money until they started doing business for the government. So I guess Elon Musk, <laughs> me using Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos is probably a bad example. But let's say like the Waltons uh, and other titans of industry that you think of, even you know, uh, Tim Cook and his predecessor, 
uh, over uh, at Apple, Steve Jobs. Think of those guys making money off of consumers not really connected to business. That's what the entire Hunter Biden, Biden brand was about, was about access in D.C. And even Devin Archer can't deny that that's what people are buying when they bought into the Bidens. We've heard James Comer and others say, what is the business that they're making all this money on, that they're getting paid all this money? Obviously, it's access. It's pay for play. It is treasonous actions of taking money from foreign businesses and foreign entities to affect and to change and to influence U.S. policy. And let's not forget, none of these people were registered as foreign agents. Just a small little detail while they're trying to indict Trump on yet another bogus Trump uh, trumped up charge. All right, Devin Archer, I, I want you to observe him in the next few clips. Yeah, so we're gonna, we've got a complex business that intersects with government. We need a guy who knows it. Right. How do I you know, deal with getting a guy a visa that needs to come over for a business deal? Right. Call our lobbyist that knows the guy in DHS or used to work in DHS or you know, in Customs and Border Patrol or the people at the embassy and state. They, they might be able to help. So there are very like tactical elements that are regulatory and compliance and governance that you have to go through. And you got to know the guy that right. worked at the old agency that now has the lobbying firm that can go back to the agency and you know, get, get things put to the front of the line. So the reason I'm asking this is because, it's not to give the Bidens a pass, right. hardly, but when people say, well, there's some question about whether Hunter was trading on his father's name, if you live in Washington, like, that's the whole city right there. Right. I think you, you know the answer to that. At the end of the day, right. so anyone he had the best advantage to do that because of where he was. And, you know, we thought that when we went into business, this was a great opportunity for us. Now, just in case you're being swayed by Devin Archer, he comes off as charming, likable. I mean, the guy, he's despicable, right? I mean, he, he's a Biden business associate. He's, just, he's a despicable individual. But he comes off as affable, approachable, honest, or what have you. Folks, he is spilling the beans to Tucker Carlson. He's doing this probably to protect his life. There comes, there comes to a point to where... Where when you're a whistleblower, like Mr. Shapley, uh, like uh, Mr. Ziegler, who was formerly whistleblower X, there comes to the point where your life is in danger if you don't if you just don't go if you don't go public and just spill the beans outright. Devin Archer is one of those smooth guys. I hope your spirit of discernment is picking up and lets you know that Devin Archer is not a guy to be liked or trusted or to be buddies with. He's doing this absolutely out of selfishness and self-preservation. And he may come off, yeah, he comes off almost likable and, and charming. Not charming like you're going to date him, but just like, oh, yeah, okay, this, you know, I'm down with what he's saying. And he seems really honest. And, and anyone who's being honest, in my book, that honesty and integrity is at the top of the list for me to like and trust you. Do not trust Devin Archer. He is an absolute snake. Everything he's doing here and saying is true, is exposure of the Bidens, but is coming from a place of vengeance and self-preservation. Do not forget that just in case any of you might have been swayed and might have been charmed by this 
snake. All right, let's get back to it. I just wonder, like, when you hear people say, well, it's kind of an open question. Right. About why they hired Hunter Biden. Like, that's pretty disingenuous, no? Right. I think at the end of it, so when you look at the, there, there are people that maybe were, you know, sons or relatives or brother-in-laws of other high-ranking officials. But I think what we ran into and with what Hunter ran into was like almost like an Icarus issue. So he got a little, it was too close to the sun. It was too right. good to be true. And the connections were, were too close and the scrutiny too much. Yes. And it ended up destroying, you know, he, it left a wake of a lot of, dis, you know, a lot of destruction in business over a number of years. And there you go, folks. That's the first clue in this part one interview of Tucker Carlson with Devin Archer that he's a snake. That it is Hunter Biden being too close to the president and it being too good to be true and him being like Icarus and getting uh, too close to the sun and his wings melting, that was their downfall. Their downfall, besides avarice, greed, deviancy, is the level of treason involved. His dad was the vice president, got Shokin fired, changed policy for Ukraine, got, remember, Ukraine was the second, was considered the second most corrupt country after Nigeria got many of these oligarchs access to the United States. And then now the, the, the 2020 presidential election was stolen. And now they're stealing our taxpayer money to fund a war and make oligarchs and insiders in Ukraine rich, along with a whole bunch of politicians as that money comes back. It's not just Hunter Devin being an Icarus. It is Joe Biden being an icky, greedy politician and Obama, who this all leads back to, allowing and giving his blessing and also benefiting from this, though I don't know all of the ways that Obama benefited from all of this. This is more than Hunter Biden and his failures. This is an exposure of the fake president, Joe Biden, and what he's been up to for the last several years and lying about it. So how many, um, it's been reported and you have said that there were occasions when uh, Joe Biden would call in with clients present on a speakerphone. Right. How, how many times do you think that happened? I mean, over a 10-year partnership, I would, uh, you know, the number I'm going with is 20. That's probably the, the, the amount that I so kind of record. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Remember I just said Joe Biden lied about this? You remember those lies over and over again. He never, ever spoke to his son about his businesses. Never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. I did anything wrong, and uh, I didn't realize he was on the board till after, it was, after he'd been on the board. I don't know what he was doing. I know he was on the board. I found out he was on the board after he was on the board. And that was it. The fact is, I was unaware of his investments until it occurred, and I've never discussed what my son's business with him because I didn't want any conflict. I don't discuss business with my son. I didn't know that was the case. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters, and I've never discussed them. So Joe Biden, who's very much a product of Washington, of course must have known that he was calling in to effectively a business meeting that his son was having. 
I mean, he must have understood that 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 was kind of what his son was selling. Well, that's, I mean, it's hard for me to speculate on that. <laughs> but like, I guess my question, just to keep it to the facts, Joe Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can, I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he, you know, we, or if I was there, I was a business associate too. Yeah. Um, so I think, or if, you know, any of the other colleagues from the DC office or the New York office were there. So yeah, at times there were from the, you know, to be, you know, completely clear on the calls. I don't know if it was an orchestrated call in or not. It certainly was powerful though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty impactful stuff for anyone. It's in the world. A- Yes, folks, when you are a foreign, Devin Archer says there, foreign business person, what you most are excited about hearing is that the person you're going into business with gets the vice president on the phone because, of course, you want to know the weather? It was clear that it was part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was, and, and sounded like most of the time, uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. Interesting about the Biden thing. The Republicans, it's, it, it's just this internal primal urge to visit retribution on the Democrats. And the problem is they can't find a fact. Oh, kind of like the false indictments that the Democrats are doing against President Trump in retribution for him winning in 2016 and for him winning in 2020. But they stole the election in behalf of Joe Biden. But they're still going after President Trump with bogus BS indictments in New York, Georgia, and in at the federal level based on non-law like that yeah except you got it flipped it's the democrats going against the republicans mostly president trump and not the other way around and talk about facts tell me again what were those phone calls about between hunter biden and his business associates and joe biden so look uh is there problematic questions about hunter biden and and i i said something that shouldn't be controversial which is that if you committed a crime you should be held accountable but have they pointed to anything to suggest that joe biden engaged in corrupt behavior no and on the contrary hunter biden's business problems uh partner said uh yeah he was on some phone calls talking about the weather talking about the weather exchanging pleasantries you know is that in the category of you know uh, presidential family members that are problematic, Billy Carter, Hugh Rodham, maybe it's in that category, but it is sure and absolutely not a crime. It's uh, been reported, and I, I know that it is true, that the Hunter and his brother were very close to their dad. Absolutely. Um, which I think is great. Yep. Um, I've got a lot of kids. I'm very close to them. Talk to them every day. Yeah. Never called them on speaker during a business meeting. That's weird. Hmm. You've got a lot of kids. You're close to them. Do you call them on speaker during business meetings? Um, do I call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that? A grown man calling his dad on a speakerphone during a business right. meeting? Right. And to be clear, sometimes it was the call was coming in, and the speaker would go on. So it was. It's just the presence. You have to be. I mean, you're you you understand DC, right? So the power to have that 
access in that conversation and it's not in a scheduled conference call and it's a part of your family, that's that's like the pinnacle of uh, of power in DC. A hundred percent. I guess I'm pivoting against the lie that I'm hearing people tell with a straight face, Congressman Goldman, for example, that we don't really know what was going on. Really? You're taking a call from the vice president and you put it on speaker. It's not just, hey dad, I'm in a meeting with some buddies. Right. It's let me let me put my dad, the vice president, on speaker. Yeah. Yep. In the in the rear view, it's uh it's a it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. An abuse of soft power. Um Tucker in his Tucker way, realizing that Devin Archer is now getting into the realm of I've said what I've had to say. I'm out there publicly. This is public knowledge. I am confirming what I said behind closed doors in a off-the-record deposition. But I'm still going to soft-pedal and protect myself further by not going all the way with the truth. I told you, folks, he's a snake. I hope you have discernment to see through this charade. Interesting. When did you meet Joe Biden? Tucker Carlson saying, interesting. Now, this next part, pay close attention. You may want to rewind and listen to it again or rewind and watch again. This this next clip I'm going to show you. The brilliance of Tucker Carlson and setting up a very important timeline. He asks Devin Archer here, as you just heard, when did you meet, you know, what's his origin with the Bidens? Listen to when the relationship started, but when the business started. And then at the very end of this exchange, they go back into code words in that, yeah, this is all about pay to play for access, but we're going to pretend that it's about regulation in D.C. Just read between the lines here, folks, of what's really being said. Joe Biden and I met the first time probably at the 2000 convention. I think yep. it was in LA and then Boston was 2004. So those two times I probably shook hands as they made kind of the power circles around the, yeah. uh, you've been, you've been to them th- through the, through of the skyboxes. Um, and, uh, and then following that really when our part, you know, our partnership started in 2008, 2009 ish, um, conversation started. That's when I re-met Hunter and actually had a, you know, sit down and meal with him, talked about the transition from, lobbying into strategic advisory and then kind of a you know some type of coalescence around having a private equity fund that would have this unique access and understanding of a regulatory environment in dc (laughs) again got it to be clear um nod nod wink wink got it tucker carlson laughing devin archer laughing we should all be laughing because the nod nod wink wink about regulatory um expertise that Hunter Biden and Devin Archer brought is code word for access to the vice president. He met Joe Biden in 2000, but it wasn't until 2008, 2009 that they sat down and actually started this regulatory private equity firm to help people. Why? Because now Joe Biden was vice president and they could sell access of the highest order. Oh, sorry. <laughs> nod, nod, wink, wink. The understanding between Tucker Carlson, Devin Archer, and all of us flies on the wall watching this is that's a euphemism. You know, regula- regulatory issues. 
is a euphemism for pay to play, access, influence from the vice president of the United States. How many times do you think you met Joe Biden during the course of your relationship with Hunter? How many times? Um, I should have this off the top of my head since I've been asked so many times. Uh, probably same thing, 20. So I got one last question for you and we'll do a much longer interview and get the entire story. But we, we found this letter kind of amazing. It's from January 20th, 2011, which I think puts you in your late 30s, mid, mid to late right, 30s. Right, right. Okay, so you're, you're a younger man. This is from the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden, to you personally, and it's personalized here at the bottom. Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca Partners, that was your partnership with Hunter Biden in yes. Georgetown. Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President who? Hu Jintang, who's yes. running China at that point. I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joseph R. Biden Jr. P.S. Handwritten. Happy you guys are together. So there are many levels here. But here's the vice president of the United States saying to you, a man in his mid-30s, who's not a government official, I'm sorry I was occupied with the guy who runs the world's largest country. I would much rather talk to you and thank you. All right. This next part's very entertaining because everyone's in on the shtick about what's really going on here. And this is a perfect example of the true nature of the partnership between Joe, Hunter, Devin, and other players. But now that you know the code words and the code that they're speaking in, and I know all of you were bright enough to figure it out on your own, we're having fun with this. But now that the cipher is known by everyone, we can really understand what's being said here. What was he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's a lovely letter and it was... <laughs> <laughs> it's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird though, right? Yeah, well, it was, it, listen, it was, it was kind of the beginning of our partnership and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter, I think at the end of the day, for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world. And I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter and... Um, you know, he was uh, just just thanking me. I think it was a nice gesture. It was a nice gesture. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Very polite. It's, it gets a 10 on the etiquette scale. But he's a vice president of the United States. Right. And he's talking about foreign business deals with you and thanking you for right. that. I think, again, it, it goes back to my other, earlier point. In, in Yeah, I think I hit at the time, I think I hit the jackpot in finding the regulatory environment or company that can navigate right to the top. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Oh, how lucky were we to get to the top of the regulatory totem pole, the vice president. One last clip I want to play for you in this introductory conversation that Tucker Carlson has released on Twitter with Devin Archer. And this pretty much sums up the whole thing. Tucker being, once again, uh, I'd love to be able to have the caliber of interviews that Tucker Carlson does. Maybe later on in my career. By the way, folks, I'm going nowhere. I'm in my 40s. I'm going to be doing this for the next 20 plus years. So I've got a lot of growth and different directions I can go in. If you have joined the BCP family today or previously, your children, your teenage children, your grandchildren, and your teenage grandchildren 
who are not teenagers now and perhaps not even born yet will be receiving news from yours truly in the future. Just putting it out there, folks, I want you to know that I'm going nowhere. I will be here to stay to present to you the news and my analysis. And guess what? As I get older, as I get into my 50s and 60s and then 70s, I will be even wiser and more knowledgeable than I am now. So I appreciate you being here on the BCP podcast in 2023. Now, this last thing, Tucker Carlson's very smart. He navigated this whole thing. He comes to the conclusion that is obvious. And of course, uh, he doesn't need to talk in code for us to understand what really is going on here. And this is not a criticism of you. I would think as a business guy, um, you use every advantage. These are not business guys. This is the vice president of the United States. He's right. not allowed to be working on businesses with foreign governments while he's vice president. I don't think. Not that I know of. <laughs> but here he is. Right. Amazing. Tucker Carlson with the receipts with the letter. He's thanking you because business was going on and that's treason. This is not allowed for the vice president to do and that's what this letter is all about, right? Devin Archer going, yeah, that's what's going on here. Essentially, they're laughing it off. But at this point, everyone is in on the game. Everyone knows the code words. Everyone has the cipher. And we all know what's being talked about here. Joe Biden, as vice president, is and was a treasonous, traitorous, rat bastard, selling out America and changing her policy, doing business with foreign entities, while in the highest positions of the land, now vice president, not as high, but they did steal the election for him in 2020. And now he's doing the same thing on behalf of China and other foreign interests as the fake president of the United States. And that is dangerous. And that is illegal. And that is traitorous. And after full exposure and trial, Joe Biden, if he lives long enough, should have the honor of receiving a traitor's reward. All right, a little different segment for you today, but uh, this was an excellent, excellent segment by Tucker Carlson, and I think it needed its own full analysis. Stay tuned. I've got a lot more for you in the coming days. Gotta give us what we want. Uh. Gotta give us what we need. Hey. Our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We, we got, got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power.